بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محتثاتها وكل محتثة بدعة وكل بدعة دلالة وكل دلالة في نار Okay, in the last lesson that we had, we started uh, hadith number 5 in Al-Nawawi's 40 hadith and this is a hadith of Umm Al-Mu'mineen Aisha radiallahu anha in which she said that the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said مَنْ أَحْدَثَ فِي أَمْرِنَا هَذَا مَا لَيْسَ مِنْهُ فَهُوَ رَدُّ That whoever introduced something into this affair of ours, that which is not from it, will have it rejected. And so the Shaykh in the commentary upon this hadith, uh, he made uh, a number of points regarding uh, innovations in general, and that how this hadith is a foundation and a basis for refuting every type of innovation, all forms of innovation. And uh, he then you know, mentioned some verses from a hadith and uh, you know, he explained how innovations can occur in statements, likewise in beliefs and likewise in actions. And so today we're going to finish off the second half of the discussion. So we did half last week and we're going to finish off inshallah the second half of the discussion. And this was, we reached the point where the Shaykh was going to now bring some of the definitions, some of the definitions that the scholars have given for innovation. What, what is the definition of an innovation? So the Shaykh says here that innovation, or the, the bid'ah, or that which is introduced into the religion, he says that there are numerous ta'rifat, numerous definitions. But because obviously it's uh, due to the time, he's only going to discuss two, two, two definitions. The first definition is the famous and well-known definition given by Imam al-Shatibi, rahimahullah. So Imam al-Shatibi has a book called Al-I'tisam, and within this book, Imam al-Shatibi has given uh, like a good definition. And roughly speaking, the definition the Sheikh says is that in in, in making his definition, Imam al-Shatibi has said that innovation is something that it's, it's obviously it's an action or it's, it's a practice which is made as a path to be adhered to. Right? This is one of the characteristics of the innovation, that it's made as a path that is adhered to. And also from its characteristics is that the reason why a person acts upon it is that, they are, is that he or she is trying to resemble the Sharia. That, that by way of this action, they're trying to resemble something which is in the Sharia. And uh, the Sheikh says that you know he's going to discuss the uh, the uh, this definition in a number of points. He says that there, there, are, there are two points that we should bear in mind from this definition: is that first of all, innovation is something that is adhered to. Right. In other words. A person doesn't just do it once and that's it, it's never done again. Rather, it's, it's taken as a path or a way that's constantly practiced and adhered to. So therefore, it may, 
Therefore, it's, it's like a path that is made, a path that is made to follow, and a path that, that, that is adhered to. And the Sheikh says, because uh, he says, the Sheikh says that it becomes like a path that one person, then a second person, then a third person, you know, adheres to it and stick to it, sticks to it and practices it, and then, you know, then it repeats itself. So, in other words, is it, it the innovation? That one of the features and characteristics of innovation is that it, it is it, it is something that becomes adhered to. The second thing the Sheikh says, anha muhtara'a, right? That that it is something that is invented, right? Meaning that it doesn't have any previous example or model from the time of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So, and then he actually mentions a third one, is thirdly that this. You know, this way, this path that is followed, or this innovation, is something that is something that resembles or tries to copy or resemble something in the Sharia. And this is because when we have the Sharia, that when we look at the actions in the Sharia, we find that they can be described in a number of different ways. Or we can we can describe actions, for example, in terms of uh, Al-Zaman and Al-Makan and Al-Adad So for example certain actions of worship They are tied to time or For example Fajr occurs you know, at dawn And Maghrib occurs at sunset And then you know, Hajj occurs in Dhul-Hijjah So certain actions in the Sharia Certain actions of worship Are tied to time Right? Other actions, uh, al-makan, like some actions are tied to place. Like for example, Hajj can only only be done in in, in you know in Makkah. Tawaf can only be done around the Kaaba, and you know uh, certain actions of worship are, are are tied to place. Al-adad, certain which is number. Certain actions in the Sharia are restricted in terms of the number. So, for example, the rakaat in the prayers, or the number of days that you fast, or you know. Uh, you know how many how many days you have to fast if you if you willingly break the fast if you and, and, and you are able, you know things like this. All of them have numbers. All of them are tied to numbers. So certain. So in other words, the, when we look at the Sharia as a whole, we find that the Sharia or parts of the Sharia, you know, we can look at it in terms of uh, time and place and number and so on and so forth. Right. So the Sharia has these uh, characteristics, and likewise. The Sharia is also such that a person seeks reward from Allah by pursuing it. Right? By acting upon the Sharia, you seek reward from Allah. So this is when we look at the Sharia. So the innovation from its characteristics, from, from the, the, the points regarding it, is that the innovation tries to resemble the Sharia in that respect. In that regard, it tries to resemble. So, uh, as we will see later on, uh, you know, either in terms of number or place or time or whatever. You know, the, the, you'll see that certain innovations, like for example, they might say that uh, you know you do such and such on a Thursday and you do it so many times. So, in other words, you find that, that with the innovation, you find that the, these things or these specifications in terms of place and time and whatever, you know, the, these. That these will be the features or characteristics of this of this innovation, just like the Sharia has the same type of thing, and obviously the intent behind it and innovation likewise is to try and to seek reward from Allah. So these are the three points 
which we find in the definition of Imam al-Shatabi. Because Imam al-Shatabi says that innovation is an invented way, something uh, uh, which is mukhtara, which is invented, and it is, uh, a, you know, it's a path which is followed and adhered to, and it's something by which the, the Sharia is trying to be resembled. You know, someone is trying to resemble and, and you know, the, the, the Sharia by way of it. So the Sheikh says that if we summarize this definition of Imam al-Shatabi, then basically we have three things. First of all, he says that the innovation is something that is adhered to, you know, clung to. Secondly, that it's something that's invented and it's, it's new, it doesn't have any previous example. Thirdly, um, that, um, and obviously this is where the hadith comes in, man amila amalan laysa alihi amruna fahuwarad. That whoever did, did an action, which is not in agreement with our affair, meaning Islam, then it will be rejected. So that's the second uh, feature. And the third feature is that, it, that, that this innovation, it resembles something in the Sharia from the angle of time or place or description or the, you know, the intent uh, uh, behind it. So that's the first definition. The second definition is a definition, he says, is given by a person called as Samani. And he said, uh, he gives the Arabic in Al-Bida, مَا أُحْدِثَ عَلَى خِلَافِ الْحَقِّ الْمُتَلَقَّةِ عَنُّ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ مِنْ قَوْلٍ أَوْ عَمَلٍ أَوْ اِعْتِقَادٍ وَجُعِلَ ذَلِكَ دِينًا قَوِيمًا وَسِرَاطًا مُسْتَقِيمًا That innovation is something which is invented or brought about upon something or which is opposed to the truth that was uh, acquired from the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam either in terms of speech or action or belief and then that is made as a deen it, it, it is made as being part of the upright deen and as part of the straight path right so something that's invented or brought about it opposes what the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam brought and then it is made to be from the religion, treated as being from the religion and being from the, the, the straight path. And the Shaykh says that this definition is also a correct definition likewise. And uh, he says from it it becomes clear, from this definition it becomes clear to us that innovation is anything that is introduced, uh, newly introduced, and it is in opposition to the truth, then any, any such thing is batil, it is false. And that this innovation can also occur in, in statements, and in actions, and in beliefs. And it is something that, that again, that is adhered to. Right? It is, it is multazamun bihi. It is adhered to. Why? Because at the end, if you look at this definition, at the end, he said that this thing that is introduced, it is made as a deen. It is made as the upright deen, and it is made into a straight path. Which means that the people treat it as such. So therefore they've made it as something that is to be followed and adhered and clung to. Right? So we can see the similar similarities between you know, the two, two definitions. So now that we've understood, now that this has become clear, now that we know the, the definition of you know, exactly what is the definition of an innovation, then the Sheikh says we have to understand, or we have to, uh, one of the important things that we have to understand is that the innovation can occur in statements 
and in actions and in beliefs. Right? So it's not something that's just limited to an action that someone performs. It can be in, in terms of a speech that someone makes, a statement that someone utters, or in terms of a belief that someone holds as well. And um, the Shaykh continues to say uh, that, uh, for example, you know, a, a statement, it could be a statement, and it could be, so what could happen is that this statement, it could be given, for example, a time and a place, or in terms of number, like for example, someone might say, you know, if you recite a certain verse of the Qur'an on a, on a Monday, the first Monday in the month of Sha'ban or something, and then you do it a thousand times, then such and such will result, right? So you can see here that there's, the time has been specified and a number has been specified and the result likewise has been specified as well. Right? Like they, they mention a certain reward or a certain, certain effect. And so, so this can apply to speech. This, this is like an innovation in, in, in speech. And likewise in actions, and a new action can be invented and it can be given certain characteristics likewise that resemble the Sharia. Like, you know, that you, that you recite a certain supplication, for example. And this supplication is a supplication that is found in the Sharia. Right? But then, so, so it resembles the Sharia from one angle. But then, they attach these other characteristics that you recite it 50 times, of which we find no proof in the Sharia. And then you recite it on a, at a certain time or a certain location, whatever. So all these characteristics now make this to be an innovation. Although it resembles the Sharia, it is still an innovation in terms of the, the details. And uh, likewise, someone can hold beliefs. They can hold a belief which is opposed to the truth which has come from the Messenger Sallallahu So like some people believe, um, for example, um, you know, that uh, Allah is not above the throne, Allah is not above the, the creation, or, you know, all the other beliefs that, 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 that people hold. So, all of these things, whether it's in beliefs, whether it's in statements, whether it's in actions, any person who introduces this into Islam, then it will be rejected upon him. It will be rejected upon him. Not only that, anyone who follows him in that, then that likewise will be rejected upon that person as well. So even a follower who makes that statement or who practices that action or who makes that speech or that whatever it is then likewise that will be rejected upon that person as well even if he's just a follower even if he's just a follower because the follower even though he's just following he is still considered to be someone who is introducing something into Islam something false and something you know because by way of him acting upon this action or making this statement or whatever then he is still treated to be someone who is introducing something into this affair. Uh, so, so therefore the Sheikh says, everyone who acts upon the innovation, or who speaks with an innovation, or who believes that innovated belief, then this person is in reality, he says, muhdithun naha, that he is someone who, who brings it about, you know, who, who invents it and brings it about. So then the Sheikh says, for this reason, uh, it becomes established that uh, another aspect that we need to be clear about here is 
that from this, from this, uh, from what we've discussed now, from the foundations that we've laid, from these definitions, is that an innovation is something that is adhered to as a path in beliefs, in statements, in actions. So, for example, if a person was to make a mistake, or he was to make a mistake in his belief, or he, he was to make a mistake in an action then we wouldn't say about such a person that he is an, 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 an innovator because this person you know he, he because this person uh, who made an opposition to the sunnah we don't treat him as being the same as an innovator the innovator who opposes the sunnah and who treats the way that he is upon as a path that is to be followed and who deems it to be something good and righteous right so we don't we don't treat these two situations the same. A person who makes a mistake, he, for example, he makes a mistake in an issue of belief or whatever, then if he does this just once or he falls into it twice or he just you know, makes a mistake, but we know that he doesn't take it as a path to be followed, then this person, we, you know, we say that this person just merely made a mistake. Right? He, we, don't just, we don't declare him to be an innovator. And so what becomes clear from this is that this Part of this definition of innovation, where we describe it as being something that is adhered to and a path that is taken to be followed, something that, that is clung to, then this is a very important principle. It's a very important uh, element of the definition that we have to have to bear in mind. Like he says, like Sheikh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah says in some of his statements, that this the, the, the rule of clinging to it, of iltizam, of this, of this issue of sticking and adhering to something, he says that this is a very important point in distinguishing distinguishing between what is an innovation and what is just merely an opposition to the sunnah that occurs from individuals. Right? This is a very important uh, principle. A person might, a person, for example, when he makes a mistake, we say we say about him, khalafa sunnah, that he opposed the sunnah in his actions. That's what we say, and we don't say that he is an innovator. Unless and until he adheres and clings and takes his opposition as a way to be followed. In that case, then obviously we, we would describe him as an, an, an innovator. So we say then that any person who makes a mistake in any of the actions or in worship, in actions of worship, uh, we say that he opposed the sunnah in such and such issue. That's how we describe that person. And... You know, if this person, obviously he's seeking nearness to Allah, but he makes a mistake, and it occurs from him once or twice, and it's a general mistake, then we say, we say to him, this action of yours has opposed the sunnah. Right? So we clarify to him. After this, if he then takes it as a way to be followed, he sticks to it, and he takes it as a way to be you know, continuously pursued, he always does this thing, then this now enters into the confines of what is an innovation. Right, so that's the difference between the two, and it's more important to make this, uh, 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 di you know, this, this distinction. Also, the Sheikh says that um, we also have to make a distinction between certain things that were invented, that were, you know, that 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 were, that were newly invented, but they are not really treated as as innovations, that the Sahaba didn't treat them as innovations like they did with other affairs. Rather, they treated these things to be permissible, and they acted upon these things as well. 
So what are these things? These are things which, which the scholars called Al-Masalih Al-Mursala Al-Masalih Al-Mursala These are, if you like, uh, certain things um, which the Sharia has, doesn't have a ruling upon but because of a need at the time because of the need at the time they provide an important benefit they provide an important benefit in the wor- from a worldly point of view so therefore the scholars will say that this is permissible and this is what we call al-masalih al-mursala meaning th- these are like the, ish- the the things that benefit that will benefit the muslims in a wor- worldly sense so the shaykh then says what does it mean al-masalih al-mursala he says this it means that this is an action whose ruling is based upon the benefit that can be obtained from it. So for example, in any time, if the scholars, if the people of knowledge or the scholars see that there is a benefit in this thing for the Muslims or whatever in the worldly sense, then they will, they will say it's permissible uh, they will say it's permissible because when we look in the Sharia, we find that the Sharia doesn't have a ruling regarding this issue. It doesn't say it's haram, doesn't say it's halal, you know, and so for that reason, the scholars will say that this is actually permissible at this point in time. And the scholars also clarify and they say that likewise, uh, the Masalih al-Mursala, they only occur in the affairs of the world. Only in the affairs of the world, in the world affairs, not in the affairs of worship not in the affairs of worship. So that's an important distinction to, 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 to note there. And the Sheikh says that as far as the affairs of the world are concerned, uh, we find that there are certain ways and means by which the five things that the religion has come to protect can be, you know, can, can be brought about. So for example, what, uh, for example, the, the five things that the Sharia has come to protect, they are, you know, the, the religion, Life, wealth, a person's uh, offspring or the lineage, and likewise the intellect. Right. So the Sharia, the Sharia. If we look at the Sharia, we find that the Sharia and all of all of the rulings in the Sharia have come to protect five basic fundamental things. First of them is the religion. Right. So the Sharia, there are rulings in the Sharia that protect and preserve and safeguard a, a person's deen. Right. Secondly, life. Right, so there are things in the Sharia that protect life. Like, for example, you know, uh, if a person commits a murder, then his life will be taken as as retribution. The meaning there are certain things in place that protect the principle of life. Thirdly, um, wealth, wealth, the protection of wealth. There are certain things, uh, rulings that Allah has placed in the Sharia that protect people's wealth. And then, likewise, lineage. For example. There are certain rulings regarding naming your children and things like that that, that ensure that the lineage is preserved. Right? A person's lineage is, is preserved and kept intact. So, and likewise, aql, the intellect. Like, for example, intoxicants are forbidden, uh, harmful things are pro- prohibited because you know, the, 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 the intellect is harmed by rhythm. So, in other words, that these masalih and mursala that we're speaking of here, they... You know, they, they apply to the affairs of the of the world, of the of the, of the world affairs, and likewise, they can also apply 
to the five things that the Sharia has come to protect, as we've already mentioned, which is deen, um, you know, life, wealth, intellect, and lineage. And the Sheikh says, um, for example, and the Sheikh then gives an example to illustrate the point, to illustrate the principle. So he says, for example, it's it's permissible for us to invent something or to bring about something that will help to protect the religion of the people. Right? Why? Because this is one of the necessities of the religion, as we've already said. For example, to author books. To author books. Right? Because authoring books, was it found in the time of the Prophet? There wasn't there was no such thing. We didn't find in the time of the Prophet people authoring books, you know, putting them on paper, binding them in books and authoring them. This was never found. It was never found in the time of the Prophet However, the authoring of books is something it doesn't have any ruling in the Sharia, but the authoring of books is a method and a ways and a means of preserving the religion, of preserving and maintaining the religion. So therefore, you know, we, we find that after the time of the Prophet the scholars began to author books. They began to compile books of hadith. They began to uh, write books on, on, the, on the issues of aqidah. They began to write books of refutation against the groups which appeared, like Imam Ahmad did and other than them. And so we, found, we find that authoring books, although it was prohibited in the time of the Messenger, like, like another example, in the time of the Messenger, وسلم, he prohibited the people from writing the hadith. He prohibited the people. And uh, likewise, Umar ibn al-Khattab, uh, he also prohibited that the hadith of the Prophet should be written. And the reason was that they didn't want it to be mixed up with the Quran and things like that. So it was prohibited in that time. And after that time, after that time, the situation arose because the need arose for the hadith to be compiled and for the astray groups to be refuted and for the affairs of belief to be outlined in what was the belief of the Sahaba for that to be written and preserved so because that necessity arose in the later time then that's why the authoring of books began right? whereas in the time of the Prophet وسلم, the no, no such necessity or no such need actually existed so the Sheikh says that in light of this there are, the Sheikh says, uh, that it's important now that we distinguish between an innovation, a bid'ah, and what is from the masalih al-mursala, or maslahatul mursala. Right? We have to distinguish between the two. Now we need to, you know, we, we can't mix up the two because clearly there are two separate issues here. So the Sheikh says there, there are two important uh, uh, distinctions. First of all, he says, that an innovation in the religion that it's really focused upon the end goals right it, it, it's focused upon the end goals it, it, it has goals whereas a maslahatul mursala is really directed towards the ways and the means by which end goals can be achieved let me explain what that means in the example that the sheikh has just given for example authoring books Authoring books is really just a ways and a means for something else, right? It's, it's a ways and a means 
for preserving and maintaining the religion. Like for example, we could say in our time that uh, you know recording cassettes, recording CDs, creating MP3s of the of the lectures and the statements of the scholars is a ways and a means of preserving the methodology or the you know the the, the manhaj or the methodology of Islam and of the Sunnah and distributing them. It's a ways and a means. So although the goal the goal is to preserve the heritage of the scholars, although the, although the means is just a mechanism. So the means here is just to record and you know uh, uh, record their statements. So when we look at the Maslahatul Mursala, the the benefit that we that we find in time in, in that we make use of in different times, we find that that benefit is always tends to be like a ways and a means towards an end, whereas an innovation is actually something that it, 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 it's something that's intended in and of itself for itself, right? So, for example, you know, someone invents, uh, like for example, someone celebrates the, the, the Prophet's birthday. That is intended in and of itself, with the goal that they want to, that they think that they are loving the Messenger وسلم, that they are becoming closer to Allah. So it's a, it's something that's sought in and of itself. Whereas with a Maslahatul Mursala, it is a means towards an, uh, a goal, towards another goal, towards something else. That's the first thing. That's the first uh, distinction. The second distinction is that innovation is something that the need for it was present or the circumstances were present in the time of the Prophet ﷺ for it to be done, but the Prophet ﷺ didn't do it. That's, that's one of the characteristics, characteristics of an innovation. That, in other words, that the, that, the, that, the, that the circumstances were present in the time of the Prophet ﷺ for the companions to have done this, but yet they didn't do it. And they didn't do it out of knowledge. Like what some of the people do. For example, you know, people used to uh, sit in a circle, making dhikr, counting it on stones. Right? The companions never did that even though it was perfectly easy for them to do that. The situation might require that they do that. So this is one of the features of innovation, which is that the, that the circumstances or the requirements for to, 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 do them, to do this innovation existed in the time of the, of the Prophet but he never did it. Whereas the Maslahatul Mursala is the other way around. That there wasn't a need, there wasn't a circumstances in the time of the Prophet ﷺ for this Maslahatul Mursala for it to be done. And so therefore it wasn't done. Like for example, we've, we've given that, that example already, authoring of books was never needed in the time of the Prophet ﷺ. The bringing together of the Qur'an, like for example, to the bringing the Qur'an together in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, it was never brought together. The whole of the Qur'an was never brought together in the time of the Prophet So do we say, for example, that the Qur'an now is a, is a bid'ah, is an innovation? Right? This, this Qur'an put together between two covers, uh, do we say it's an innovation? The answer is, you know, no. Because uh, in the time of the Sahaba, the scholars, they agreed, after, meaning after the, the, the message system, they agreed that to put the Qur'an together is one of the greatest obligations which the Ummah can ever stand to perform, or which the Ummah you know, can, 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 can perform. But, 
This was because the need arose in that time for the Qur'an to be brought together. <coughs> As for in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, there wasn't a need to do that. Why? Because the revelation, <coughs> the revelation was still uh, being revealed. And if, for example, the whole of the Qur'an was, was being put together, we know that there were certain verses that were abrogated. So then what would happen is, those verses would need to be crossed out, and then there would, be, there would need to be side notes, filling in those gaps, whatever. And then it would, you know... It, 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 it would lead to a situation that is undesirable right? in the sense that it could cause confusion so we find that in the time of the Prophet there was never any need or there was not any need for the Quran to be brought together however uh, due to the wisdom of Allah uh, due to the wisdom of Allah Allah never commanded the Prophet to bring the Quran together in a single book in his life but when the revelation ended and when the messenger passed away then Abu Bakr you know, uh, brought it together, and then it was again after his time. It was brought together uh, as, as you know, as, as a complete mushaf. And then the Sheikh says there were many other things as well. There were other things as well which fall into the same category, meaning a maslahatul mursala, again, which is different to an innovation. So remember the difference. Innovation is something which the circumstances for which existed in the time of the Prophet but they never did it. Why? Because they, it's not. It was not from the religion. Whereas with maslahatul mursala like a prevailing benefit, then the need for it didn't exist in the time of the Messenger it came afterwards. So he gives some other example, he says for example um, using certain types of machinery or tools or you know writing about certain different types of sciences and being concerned with different types of knowledge and sciences again relating to the Sharia like for example the knowledge of Hadith and things like that um, you know uh, building cities um, and setting up, for example, uh, if you like, like ministries, uh, uh, you know, between countries, delegations, and, and things of that nature in terms of uh, <coughs> political interaction with other, other other lands and things like that. All of these things, some of these things occurred in the time of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu, and likewise in the time of the other uh, rulers after him. And so these things. As we said, there wasn't any need for them in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, but because that need arose, and because these issues don't have a ruling in the Sharia, then the scholars permitted those affairs, you know, uh, to help, to, to help, uh, again, for the goal that we said, to help us to realize certain worldly benefits, and likewise, to help preserve the five things that the religion preserves, which is the deen, and, you know, life, and intellect, and wealth, and lineage. And so therefore the Sheikh says, summarizing this discussion, no doubt we know that the Maslahatul Mursala is Muhdatha, no doubt it's, it's something that's newly invented, it's something that wasn't done before, no doubt. However, we cannot describe, or we can't apply this hadith to it. We can't say, you know, man fi amrina hadha ma laysa minhu rad. Or we can't apply this hadith to, for example, the, the, the collection of the Quran, you know, or the, the collection of the books of the, of the hadith and things like that. We can't apply that because it's not the same as the, uh, you know, these are just ways and means that are, have been employed in order to fulfill another goal. Right? So they're not the same as innovations. And secondly, the Sheikh says uh, that these, are not, these things are not innovations in the religion. Right? To author books is not an innovation in the religion. To use 
a microphone or a speaker is not an innovation in the religion. Right? It's, it's like a worldly thing. It's a ways and a means from the worldly point of view. And so these things then, the scholars have called them Masalih, Al-Masalih, Al-Mursala. And the Sheikh said that they, these are desire, desirable things that we adopt them, that we make use of them from the angle that they allow us to you know, fulfill certain goals. And uh, this is because the Sheikh says that these ways and means have the same rulings as the end objectives. Right? For example, you know, uh, education, for example, is wajib. You know, to teach and to spread the religion is wajib. So on that basis, a school, if we set up a school which teaches, you know, the, 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 the aqidah and the sharia and teaches the Muslim there, whatever, then whatever is taught, it has the same ruling as the end objective. Like, for example, if a school was set up in order to teach, for example, the Sufi belief, to teach wahdatul wujud and these other kind of beliefs, that would... So, although a school, in building a school in, in and of itself is just a ways and a means and it doesn't have any ruling in the Sharia, right? We look at, we look at the, what is the end goal behind it. If the end goal behind it is to teach, you know, a false belief, whatever, then the building of the school is haram. So, so the ways and means have the same rulings as the intended goals behind them, right? So the Sheikh says, and then he carries on, he says, he speaks about the ibadat, the actions of worship, how they are, you know, one type of affairs that are found in the Sharia. Likewise, the mu'amalat, like the dealings between the people in, in the interactions with each other, they too are from the, from the Sharia. So, regarding the affairs of worship, that's straightforward. Someone invents an act of worship which is opposed to the Sharia, opposed to the Sunnah, then no doubt this is newly invented and it is an innovation in the religion. So the acts of worship, it's very clear. As for the mu'amalat, because of the mu'amalat, mu'amalat are the dealings between the people, like for example in trade, or like inheritance, or like marriage, or things like that. These are the rules in the Sharia that determine the, how people interact. So likewise, in the mu'amalat, there can be innovations. For example, the Sheikh says, um, for example, someone treats interest like a contract of interest. He says he makes it to be permissible. Right? So an in, uh, a contract which involves interest, a person says, well, no, this is now permissible. This now becomes an innovation in an affair which is an affair of mu'amala, meaning trade and dealing between the people. Or for example, he might um, you know, uh, make something to be halal, which the sharia has made to be haram. Or for example, he might, <coughs> there might be a condition, there might be a condition att attached to something, like a sharia condition, and he will nullify that sharia condition. Right? So that action likewise is something that is muhdath and something which is an innovation. And that too is rejected upon that person. Like for example, he says, the punishment for zina, when a person commits zina, the punishment is, um, the, the person who is married, then he is stoned, and a person who is not married, then they, then, then, then they are, they are uh, uh, lashed, and they are exiled. I mean, they are banished from, 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 from the land. And so if someone says, well no, we won't, we won't use that punishment anymore, we will just impose a fine. Right? So we'll impose a fine. Then, this <coughs> again, this is something 
that this is rejected. Even if it's to do in the Mu'amalat. Remember, this is not to do with the affairs of worship, this is to do with the Mu'amalat. That too is an innovation. And this will be rejected upon the person. And uh, the Shaykh says, so we find here that sometimes often you hear a principle, uh, that the principle concerning the affairs of worship is that they are restricted, that, we, that we're not allowed to worship unless there is a text. And the principle concerning the Mu'amalat is the dealings is, is that they are permissible uh, unless there is something that declares them to be impermissible. The Sheikh says that th- this thing here is slightly different to that. You know, it's different. Um, and so anyway, the Sheikh clarifies this a bit more. And then finally, he finishes off the discussion by saying that this hadith, so this brings us to the end of the discussion. He says that this hadith is... Um, this hadith applies to all of the affairs of the religion. This hadith, man ahdatha fi amrina hadha ma'alisa minu fawarad. Whoever introduces something into this affair of ours will have it rejected. He says this applies to all affairs of the religion. In tahara, in purification, in as-salah, in the prayer, in az-zakah, in uh, charity, in fasting, in hajj, in buying and selling. In, in trading, by way of you know, in, in trading, in loans, in you know exchange, in renting, in nikah, in marriage, in divorce, in fact, in all of the affairs, not restricted just to affairs of worship, even in the rulings and the dealings between the people, it enters into those affairs as well. <coughs> so the Sheikh says, <coughs> well, he, this is where he finishes the discussion, and this brings us to the end uh, of the discussion of this hadith. So hopefully, inshallah, from this discussion, we've got a better understanding of this hadith, of the application of this hadith, uh, the definition of innovations. We understand the difference between a person falling into an innovation and making it as a path to be followed. The difference between that and between a person just falling into a mistake once, twice. You know, with that person, we say you have opposed the sunnah, and with a person who persists upon choosing. That as a path to be followed, that, that, that is an innovation. Like, for example, people persist in you know, celebrating the Prophet's birthday uh, or they persist in doing other certain affairs of innovation, and that, that, that is an innovation from them. And likewise, we distinguish between an innovation and a maslahatul mursala, like a prevailing benefit at, a, at, a, at any given time that is, that is made permissible as a ways and means to help achieve another goal, right? That we, like, like examples we've already discussed. We have to distinguish between that and between an innovation. Don't confuse between that and between an innovation. And when you understand like, what, what the Sheikh has explained in his, in his uh, explanation, when you understand these principles, then many things will become clear. Many doubts will become clear because many people will come to you sometimes and they will say to you, well, okay then, so the Qur'an, isn't that an innovation? Because... There wasn't a book called the Quran in the time of Muslim. So you know how to answer this. Or some people will say, well, you know, is using a microphone, is using an airplane, isn't that bidah? Because, you know, are you saying that we shouldn't use these things now? Again, this is foolishness because these are not innovations in the religion. These are not, these are not ways which are made by which nearness to Allah is sought. And these are just worldly things, you know. So hopefully, inshallah, this explanation of this hadith is... Uh, given us certain foundations of understanding regarding this hadith that will allow us to uh, you know uh, address some of these uh, 
these types of doubts and misconceptions and you know uh, to to reply to them so we end the lesson here then and uh, we'll continue in the next hadith another famous important hadith hadith is a hadith of Abdullah Abu Abdullah and Nu'man bin Bushair regarding the hadith inna al-halal bayin wa inna al-haram bayin indeed the halal is clear and the haram is clear wa baynahuma umurun mushtabihatun and between the affairs are you know uh, unclear affairs so inshallah that hadith we will discuss in the next lesson inshallah ta'ala